Hello, everyone, and welcome to Writer's Block Podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Havlin. Tonight's episode brought to you by The Passage of Time. It's a bitch. Speaking of which, it's been far too long since my last episode. I'm very sorry about that. I have been a little busy. I started writing for The Tonight Show, starring Jimmy Fallon. It's considerably different from my previous job. Maybe I'll discuss that in a future episode. There's a little bit of it in here, but for now, I've got something entirely different. My guest is a cartoonist for The New Yorker magazine and the author and illustrator of the hilariously entertaining new book, Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. He's my enormously talented and extremely amiable friend, Matt Diffie. Although he uses Matthew for the cover of the book, trying to get fancy, I guess. Well, mission accomplished, Matthew. Let me tell you something, Blackheads, and I say this with all honesty, this book is really funny, remarkably clever, and worth every penny I hope you'll run out and pay for it. It's like Stephen Wright meets Farside, and I love it. And here's one of the reasons. Matt is a multi-talented man, and as proof, I submit to you this clip from the very podcast you are about to flood your ear brains with. Check it out. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something's awesome. off. There's plenty off. Uh, <laughs> it's not my playing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's... Great. Good enough. Like, there he goes. First on Writer's Block Podcast, a banjo solo. Uh, I also play trumpet. Do you have a trumpet? I I do. I have something similar. I have something similar. (laughs) Also in this episode, Matt tells us about his unusual, not abnormal, but certainly unusual upbringing in rural Texas and his journey to cartooning, which was not a career he originally pursued. Then again, who would? Seems awfully specific. We talk about the book, Matt reads from the book, I use the book to kill a bug, although I might have edited that out, I take a phone call from my wife, but keep it brief, and Matt and I reminisce about how we met, about our mutual friends, and about our shared interest to one day control the flow of currency in and out of the British Virgin Islands. You know what? I probably shouldn't have brought that up. Anywho, welcome back, Blockheads. This is episode 48. My guest is Matt Diffie. I'm J.R. Havlin. You're part of the writer's block now. Good choice. Good. Welcome back. Hey, you know what? Here's the thing. So I have this podcast that you're familiar with. Mm-hmm. I love it. And yet I've been busy. It takes a lot of my time. So I have not done one for a while. So we're coming storming back, cool. storming back with something different. Yeah. You've never done a cartoonist as far as I know. I've never uh, I've done interviewed. Yeah. <laughs> Either way. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I've done a lot, lot of cartoonists, of <laughs> I've, but I've never interviewed yeah, one. Never, never even asked them a question. Talk, no. Really. Didn't see their faces. Yeah. i got to be honest with you. Why? What does it matter? <laughs> yeah. Matt Diffie, when, if you've uh, read uh, the uh, uh, the New Yorker, right? Mm-hmm. And who hasn't? Mm-hmm. And you've seen the, then you've seen the cartoons. My relatives. You've seen the cartoons and who hasn't. And yeah. you've stopped to read some of those cartoons and who hasn't. Mm. And on occasion, they're, they're pretty good. Sometimes. Yeah, the and best. and on many occasions, the good ones say Diffie on there. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and say it. Yeah, yeah, I'm not gonna downplay them. your peers. <laughs> There's a lot of good things going on. Yeah, but uh, uh, Matt Diffie is a, a, a not only a, a very good uh, cartoonist, dr- 
illustrator. Hmm? That I was almost saying drawer. Drawer? You can say drawer. Drawer? I don't Is that know. a you word? Can't really say it. You can say it, but it's not. That a sounds word. like something you call like a Texan. You know, just like he's a draw, hey, drawler. Drawler. That's yeah. be, that's a better word than drawer. I'm both. Are you? Interestingly enough. Yeah, that's right. You were Coming born from in Texas. Uh, yeah. Austin. Were you born in Austin? No, bo- uh, Denton, Texas. Which north is? of Dallas. Yeah. Kind of part of Dallas at this point, but that's where I grew up. Denton. Matt's got the um, a great book out. Super funny. We'll, uh, we're going to talk about the process of getting a book done, let alone filling it with uh, um, hilarious content. And um, first, we're going to learn a little bit about uh, the cartooning world and uh, uh, where Matt came from and how he got involved in that. So, mm-hmm. born in Texas. Born in Texas. Normal Texas upbringing. So, you were like a ste- you were riding steers when you were like yeah. four and shit. Roping more than riding, but yeah. yeah. A lot of riding. Uh, well, that could be true, I suppose. Um, no, I grew up in Texas. Out, it was fairly rural. Uh, Denton, Texas, in the in the country outside of Denton. Texas. It wasn't normal though, because I, I grew up in a neighborhood of all airline pilot dads. So all the the, the neighborhood was sort of built around really, a small airstrip. Kind of, huh. Yeah, and every house had you know a house, and then they had a garage, and then they had a hangar next to the garage for the private planes. And so you'd see, you know, planes taxiing on the roads through the neighborhood. You're just talking about recreational aircraft? Yeah, 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 just small, you know, private aircraft. Wow. So they're airline Does pilots. That but, you know, dad? They had, yeah, my dad had had one at, early on and then sold it. But, but yeah, all the neighbors had, had planes. So we'd be running out in the woods and fields and stuff, and our parents would, you know, buzz us and strafe us and yeah, tend to strafe us, I should say. Right. So that was an, a little bit abnormal. But we also had a horse pasture in the in the neighborhood. It wasn't really a neighborhood. It was, it was just, a it was a rural community of airline pilots and their families, and literally everybody every, like a, a an airplane in every home. Yeah, pretty much. It's true. How strange. Yeah. So other than that, it was pretty normal. Right. For Texas. Do you is, have you ever flown an airplane? I have uh, held the controls, but not landed or taken off. That's really the hard like part. Like that's the, like the that's, classic sitting on your dad's lap driving yeah, through exactly, a parking lot. Exactly. You're, instead, you're like Except sitting on your airplane, dad's lap, yeah. <laughs> flying over Dallas. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And, and then I became a New Yorker cartoonist. Just That's pretty much the story. A big, there's yeah. a big jump. I feel like there's a gap missing yeah. here that, uh, that that we can fill in a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Well, I was always an artist. That was the first thing. I always drew pictures. You know, Parents as that kid. encouraged this. Yeah, my the, dad was it? my dad was an artist also. In addition to being a oh, pilot okay. and stuff, he's also a musician, which is why I played the banjo. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, he was always drawing, doing uh, various art kind of projects. Which I picked up on a lot. Wait, we have a banjo here. <laughs> do you really? Seriously. Why, why it's, would it's you right have out a there. Banjo? Grab the banjo. Okay. Because I'm going to force you to do what you do. Uh, One of the things you claim to do. You say, am I wrong? Because my wife plays. Really? Yeah. Is it a four string? I don't know from a banjo. I'm going to say it has strings on it. So Matt is now getting the banjo out, which this is a dusty case. You know. Gibson. It's a Gibson banjo. Here we go. It's going to not be in tune, but you can do that. Here we go. This is the first time W. Oh, I'm not going to be able to tune. It sounds perfect to me. (laughs) Oh, this is going to take the whole length of the podcast to tune. (laughs) We'll be right back, everybody. Here, let me help. <laughs> if I do it, <laughs> you just keep doing that. Oh yeah, yeah, something's nice. off. There's plenty off. Um, <laughs> it's not my playing, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, that's... 
Hey, good enough. Like, there he goes. First on Writer's Block Podcast, a banjo solo. I also play trumpet. Do you have a trumpet? I do. No? I, do. Okay. I have something I similar. I have something similar. <laughs> a plunger? Yeah. Yeah. yeah I don't know what it is. That was, uh, that's great. That's, this that was actually, terrible. This brings us uh, kind of in a way to where we met, because I think we mm. met at the uh, uh, Jalopy Theater doing, when doing, I did that first show for you. Doing my hipster hee-haw show that I did for a while. The hipster hee-haw show was great. Uh, yeah, it was um, called the Steam Powered Hour. Yeah. Uh, Jalopy Theater's out in Brooklyn. Fantastic yeah. theater. They do a really lot cool. of great stuff out there. Yeah, it was a sort of an uh, the, the idea was to put together my my favorite things, which is like bluegrass music and comedy. Uh huh. So yeah, yeah, and That's you basically had, uh, hee-haw on, on that same uh, bill, I believe the Lonesome Trio. Must oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, with uh, my 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 cousin-in-law Ed Helms and. I had forgotten his, that. Yeah, yeah. His guys. Uh, yeah, yeah. And my, Jake my and wife Ian. Is his cousin and Jake and, and Ian. Yeah. They've got a wonderful album out right now. Yeah, you should go it's buy. Great, it. yeah, and it sounds interesting. Great. Note: I did all I did all the chalk work on their album cover. Did Have you, you seen the album cover? No, I haven't. They're standing in front of a chalkboard. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh yeah. Singing. Oh, did you? Fantastic. I did that chalk work. I love it. I do all their chalk work. I love it. That's <laughs> what I'm known for, really. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh my god, I love it. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah I I was uh, so I came out uh, on that show as potentially the comedic end of it. You were the comedic. End um, of it. I think what we did you, you, you well, we, a, it was right piece. after the Academy Awards. So this was probably in 08 oh, or something, right. or 06 or 08. And, and so had, I told, we you, talked about the Academy Awards. I told a story. You, were you that. writing him or did you just I was him? out there writing with John yeah. was hosting. Yeah. So I told this I told the story yeah, yeah. about that although I can't remember which story. There were a lot of good ones. I want to say then you I did, did some material that then didn't Then I did get... remember I did a dramatic it was near Valentine's Day as well. Uh-huh. If not on Valentine's Day or something. Yeah. So I did a dramatic reading of John Mayer's Your Body is a Wonderland. <laughs> yes, that's right. With, with uh Do we have like a music with yeah, yeah, you up Ian or Riggs. Yeah, 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 Ian Riggs exactly. bass uh, stand-up bass for the Lonesome Trio yeah. backed me up uh, yeah. and it was all that his part of it was basically improv. I told yeah. him what I was going to do and said can you come up and just play something oh, behind that's, me. That's that's really And he's funny. great so that came off and it was just me doing, you know, your body is a wonderland. I'll use my hands. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. That was fun. That was a fun show. We did it, you know, monthly for, I guess, a couple years or year and a half. That's great. And then I then I went and moved back to Austin. You were already, you came out from Austin. Well, You came out from Texas to New York. Well, there's a bunch of states in between North Carolina, okay. South Carolina, you New Hampshire, Boston. Cartooning this entire time? I was not. I was not doing any cartooning. I didn't want to be a cartoonist ever. I wanted to be, you know, I was interested in comedy. I was interested in art. Were you thinking about stand up? Yeah. I mean, I, I was interested in everything, you know, sketch comedy and, right. and, and stand up and everything. So I was trying to do that. I mean, you know, this is in, you know, at this point, I guess North Carolina or fairly rural North Carolina. I just didn't grow up knowing where the pathways were. You know, I didn't know that you, you know, you if you want to be somewhere 10 years down the road, you probably have to be here. So I was just, you know, trying to do it. I had a little comedy team out in, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina. And we were doing stuff, and I was also painting and trying to get stuff into galleries and doing art contests and stuff. But I was kind of, you know, I guess a snob about both parts, the comedy and the art. And for me, cartooning was this really lowbrow, googly-eyed kind of greeting card type, which I'm still not too much into. Um, so yeah, I never thought that, of it, that's, that, that sort of style of cartooning. Right. I never really, I was like, I mean, there's great stuff in Mad Magazine, but, um, I never, I never knew about it as a kid or anything. And then the New Yorker, we certainly didn't know about. 
I mean, we, I I had a nodding acquaintance with it, and well, that's Dennis. Now, now you're kind of like you know. I mean, I, I don't know what's in what's included or not in these broad definitions, but I don't equate what you do with comic books, for instance, yeah. at all. You know, I mean, just because there's illustrations and and a lot of comic books are funny, but um, there's a zaniness or a wackiness, yeah, that I don't get into. I'm well, I mean, a lot dry. of what you do too is it seems it's mostly single panel. Although you is that is that a yeah, correct term? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Although there were, I'm going to just go ahead and say multi-panel. A couple yeah. of them in your in yeah, your book. Yeah, I tried to do special stuff for the book. Yeah, and that's definitely going to be like a a, a different vibe. I and mean, it feels like you know, uh, and what do you think of this? Like the any of the multi-panels could just as easily have been a single panel and vice versa. Yeah. Is that is that and how do you make that? I mean, decision? with editing, with you know, leading into it properly and setting it up properly and. Um, for the book, you know, I, I had not really a mandate, but I, I had my own desire to put extra stuff in there because, you know, I, I do yeah. a certain kind of thing for the New Yorker just because that's the certain kind of thing they do. It meshes with what I like to do, but I don't get to do a lot of full page or double page spreads or even, you know, write a paragraph of, of jokes, you know. Right, right. So and I wanted to do all that, that stuff so you, in, you in broke, this book. You broke it up into the book, by the way, is called Hand Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. Yeah, it's not for everyone. Um, it's not. No, it's a very specific audience. So you know who you are. <laughs> yeah. And if you are, buy the book. I'm counting on you, in fact, to buy the book. Um, so George Clooney, if you're listening. Yeah. There are different chapters with yeah. different topics, and then you introduce each chapter with some of your own writing. Yeah. Within that, there are plenty of like single-panel cartoons and then some, some a few multi-panel things. And then also sprinkled throughout are just little kind of like blurbs, little thoughts. With yeah, little one-liners. Little, I, little that's one what liners. I started off writing, you know. Yeah. I, I, Which that's are great. the kind it's of very, joke I wanted to it's write. Very, it's also very, it's very Stephen Wright stand-up. Yeah, he was a huge influence. Loved him. I can yeah. only imagine. Mitch Hedberg, too. Yeah. Yeah. But and the, Woody uh, Allen, I mean. But I also those... feel like a lot of those jokes stand up to those guys. I mean, the jokes in here. Man, well, I appreciate this that. This is a super entertaining book to read. I mean, well, it, you, I was like just kind of High genuinely laughing. and coming well, from you. I it, really appreciate it. This is a great book to have around. Yeah. Really well, a lot of you. great funny jokes. And, and obviously the format of it, it's easy just to go to one page or another, just read yeah, a new joke, through. go to another one, you know, wipe your ass and get on yeah. your way. Yeah, that's basically what uh, Michael Ian Black did a review for New York Times. Yeah. He, it was like basically humor books for the toilet. Which <laughs> and I, this I, was I, in there. Yeah, he mentioned it. I was I was thrilled about that's that. That's great. That's great. There's a um, let me give you an idea, everybody out there, about um, one of the chapter intros. I don't know if you have a favorite. I did enjoy uh, this one. I thought would uh, read well, and I hope that you'll read from it for us. Will you, Matt Diffie? I have not done that yet, but I will definitely try that. Sure. With your uh, with your magical tones. This is Look this one. is the the, uh, the intro for chapter three for smart, attractive people in relationships. Mm. I, I enjoyed. There's this. a few of that. All right, so this will be interesting reading. Take it away, Matt Diffie, reading from hand drawn jokes for smart, attractive people. Matt Diffie. Three relationship tips for the fellows out there. One, don't forget your anniversary, or you'll be celebrating two anniversaries. Your normal anniversary and the anniversary of the one time you forgot your anniversary. Two, always have flowers behind your back. You'll have to relearn to do everything with only one hand, but it will be worth it. There isn't a situation that can't be fixed by flowers. She comes home tired and cranky from a long day of mentally listing your faults. Bam, you whip out some daisies. Problem solved. She pulls your headphones off and shouts, Are you even listening to me? Boom, pansies. She staggers in from the garden, gasping, I think I might be deathly allergic to long-stemmed perennials. Kapow! Lilies. But what if you run out of flowers? That brings me to my third and final tip. Learn how to fake a seizure. There are times when nothing else works. 
Let's she, say she asks you a question that you can't possibly answer without making her angry. Something like, what are you doing? Don't even try to answer. That's what she wants you to do. Just stop, drop, and rule. <laughs> She'll sprint to her phone to call her life insurance company, and you can go back to watching the UFC. And ladies, these tips work for you, too. Instead of flowers, use boobies. <laughs> I didn't know what to do. There's a little joke cartoon inserts. Uh, yeah, and then it goes on I didn't know to, how to, do those, but. to a bunch of cartoons that are yeah. under the category of uh, relationships, relationships primarily, and I, I like the way that it's spread out like that. Uh, we're going to take a little break. We'll be right back with Matt Diffie, author of Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. Reunited with my blockheads, and it feels so good. Mm, I hope you're enjoying this. There's more to come with Matt Diffie. Fascinating guy, great guy. Look him up on the Twitter, at Matthew Diffie, D-I-F-F-E-E. Check out his website, MatthewDiffie.com. Plenty of great stuff on there, including the opportunity to buy his book, which you should do. According to Steve Martin himself, quote, Matt is truly one of the funniest people in the rarefied world of first-rate cartooning. Steve Martin, blockheads, this is no bullshit. So let's not spin our wheels more with Matt Diffie coming right up. All right, we're back. I'm with Matt Diffie, author and illustrator of Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. Matt, a uh, longtime cartoonist, employed cartoonist for The New Yorker, which uh, Mm -hmm. is, is that... You on contract? Is that do they do yeah, all those? Uh, that's a, some the, of them you are on contract. Yeah, I have a contract with them, which um, doesn't mean a whole lot except that I need to show them my work first. You have that contract with you? You want me to look it over? Yeah, if you could. Yeah, just okay. uh, highlight a few yeah. points. You know, I'm really interested in the back end. I was pre-law, it, which is oh, were you really? Uh, pre-law, pre-med, same. What's the difference? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I suckered it's you right into an Animal House <laughs> joke. I suckered you right into it. Classic yeah. Animal House joke. <laughs> But yeah, uh, so I, I have a like, contract. You, yeah, so, but well, let's let's go back to you know, grew up in in uh, oh, yeah. Texas. You had some influence as far as drawing and art, and yeah, and you I was had really that you were drawn in... towards comedy. So you go to North Carolina. You're doing more of that. What? Uh, where, where did an actual potential career begin to take off? Yeah. For you? So I started trying stand up down in the South, and then I went to New Hampshire and was taking trips into Boston and doing comedy stuff there. And I got in with a group that included, you know, Patrick Borelli, who mm-hmm. you work with, Eugene right. Merman and Brendan Small. Patrick Borelli, a writer at The Tonight Show. A bunch of those. Eugene Merman is Eugene Merman. dudes. Yeah, so I was trying to do stand-up at that time, and, you know, it wasn't always working. I would do, I guess half the time it would work. If I started well, it would go well. If I didn't start well, I could not dig my... It was the point where I would do a set, and then the other guys would be like, you ever think about selling your jokes? And actually, <laughs> actually Brian Kiley... Do you know who Brian Kiley is? Writer for Conan. Well, did he go over to... uh, um, No, he's he's still at Conan. He's at Conan. Yeah, he's out in L.A. these days. Just one. He he was, you know, one of my joke writing heroes, just for for that type of one-liner joke. Well-known, late-night joke writing guy. Also... I don't know if I ever saw him do stand up. Oh, it's not. really good. Okay, yeah, good. just every it's just joke after joke after joke, uh-huh. just great. Um, anyway, he was the first person that employed me as a joke writer. I wrote, I think, three jokes for him. Oh, wow. Which, bad. you know, it wasn't money or anything, but it was a huge boost, you know, for me. Oh, I can actually write a joke, a professional level joke. So that was the first thing. So I, I, I should mention him and, and thank him for, for giving me a boost of confidence when I was young. So anyway, I was doing this and, um, I was still pursuing art, like trying to get my stuff in a gallery, you know, to be a fine artist. 
And so what sorts of things were you? I would like a- abstract painting, like real, like serious art. Huh? Okay. Uh, yeah. I, you know, like I say, I'd never done cartooning. Right. Um, I've done little illustrations here and there, but I'd never really done it. Were and you so, one of the kids or even a young adult who was constantly doodling? On yeah. This? Yeah. Okay. I was that kid. Um, but, I, you know, it was, it was not comedy art at all. Right. I was really serious. Like when I was in the South, it was like a, I wanted to be a wildlife artist. You know. Well, there's yeah, and there's it's interesting. Like there's there's in your cartoons, there's uh, um, a lot of them are not necessarily like the picture itself is not the funny part. Yeah, for sure. You have a very a very noticeable style. Certain your cars, for some reason, I would always say like that's a Matt Diffie car. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is. Because it's overdrawn. Like, yeah. It's not yeah. cartoony at <laughs> yeah, all. it's like the car looks like a real car within the cartoon thing or something. I always I would like to compare it to like. Like the comedians I like, like Stephen Wright, you know, the performance, I mean, there is a performance there, but it's very minimal. It's basically all dependent on the joke. Right. And so it's like straight faced sort of jokes. So I, I like to think that my, my cartoons are a visual equivalent of that, that style of comedy. All right. And I have a question for you yeah. later about the order mm. of, uh, of creating a cartoon. Mm, yeah. But um, let's, let's continue with the So yeah, uh, so I was, doing, I was doing the comedy and the art separately. And then these guys in, in Boston started this thing called the Weekly Week which was, I think the tagline was America's Funny. only redundant news source for news. <laughs> it was, they were trying to make like an Onion-esque thing in Boston. Right. And so they asked me, you know, do a, let's was do, Patrick let's do some, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Let's do some sort of cartoon, uh, like a fake editorial cartoon. And so we came up with the idea of doing an editorial cartoon that would be entirely not funny, just like entirely indecipherable, but it would be a parody of the worst part of editorial cartoons. So we did this thing that was a very elaborate pen and ink drawing and everything was labeled, you know, like, you know, big oil and, you know, I think the food industry, I mean, just like everything had a label on it, but then the joke was just completely random. Okay. That was my first cartoon. And I was in the midst of doing this for the first time, sort of thinking like, what does the cartoon even look like? When I saw there was a Nightline special about the New Yorker cartoonists, which was because they were doing their first ever um, uh, all cartoon focused issue. This uh-huh. was oh, really? this was in ninety eight, I think. Uh-huh. Anyway, so I just I watched this show and I actually put in a videotape. That's how long ago it was, and taped it, and then I watched it over and over again. You know, I was like, wow, this is this is so really this, interesting. But, and this this is interesting because this, this is not something that you were necessarily thinking about doing, no, but uh, you saw that this was happening. You was like, and you thought, oh, it all came I, together. I'm, I'm gonna wanna I'm gonna yeah. wanna see this. And was that an immediate sort of like aha moment, yeah. like? Yeah, it was like the moment, you know, when you find your soulmate. Because mm-hmm. I'd been preparing for this exact job. Like right now. Yeah, like right now. Yeah. When I'm sitting across <laughs> from you, looking into your eyes. Yes. Um, no, it, it, uh, for 20 years, I'd been, or I don't know how many, all my life I've been doing art. And, and serious about it, you know, being, being a serious artist, pursuing it and studying it. And comedy, too. I'd, you know, been a comedy nerd and really studying it and studying how to write jokes, you know, just right. the... All the books that everyone read, I read. So I was doing both parts of what a cartoonist does, but had never thought about putting it together. So anyway, to quicken the story, um, that the, that New Yorker cartoon issue had a contest in it uh, where you're supposed to write in. It was a, the New Yorker and the Algonquin Hotel. Um, you had to write in, or you had to send in cartoon uh, uh, cartoons about hotel life, whatever that means. <laughs> but anyway, so I was like, ah, you know, I, I'm going to enter this. And I kind of might win it. I kind of thought that, weirdly enough. Or at least I thought, you know, maybe I got yeah. as good a chance as anybody. I know that I can write a joke, thanks to Brian Kiley. So right, this is right my up jokes. my alley. Right, I know I can draw. So I, you know, worked on it for a couple months and sent in stuff. And lo and behold, I was a finalist. And lo and behold, I ended up winning. And I ended up meeting Bob Mankoff, who's the cartoon editor. Uh, he had just become the cartoon editor, like I think a year before, and was eager to get 
younger people in. So that's how I got in. And then after that's that, right. I started do, submitting. Do you remember like uh, any of the specific the cartoons that you spent? Or, or yeah, yeah. Um, the one that won it was, you know, so it's had to be about hotels. So I just had a, a hotel room and I had a couple that had just come in and clearly just set their bags down on the floor and on the bed and are turning to go. And he sees the, the, the husband sees a, a sign, the do not disturb, disturb sign hanging on the inside of the door. And he says, oh, great. I guess we're stuck in here. So, wah, wah, wah. Yeah, yeah, that well, was the one. Um, but it was drawn winner. very well. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, so then I was I was submitting from Boston and actually Classic. taking the train Classic down. Classic New Yorker and, cartoon. Yeah, exactly. I love it. And sleeping on Patrick Borelli's couch. So wow, thanks, Patrick. Yeah, I'll tell yeah, him he that. He put me up, you know, when I was that. first coming here, and I sold. I sold fairly quickly, um, and I thought I'm on. I'm off. You know, I'm. This is going to be easy. Oh yeah, and. So this is just yeah. This is undoubtedly within months going to lead to the superstardom that cartooning yes, normally exactly. does. Exactly. I'll be shop limo, limo shopping all, soon. Oh yeah, all I have to plan for now is how to keep the crowds at bay. <laughs> exactly. I should probably change my name. <laughs> yeah, I should yeah. probably yeah. Well, at least have a secret name that you check into hotels <laughs> yeah, with. Exactly. At the very least. I do, I do need Beyonce to do Beyonce or something Beyonce, that doesn't draw as much attention as Matt Diffie. <laughs> Under the radar. Um so uh yeah, at that point I was submitting cartoons and I was doing three a week. I was like, you know, three, like baseball. Get up to bat three times. And that's when my editor, uh, Mankoff, said, you know, most people are doing 10. So I was like, okay, I'm going to impress you. I'm going to do 15 a week. And so I did 15 a week every week for the first year and I sold four. In the whole year? In the year. New Yorker, yeah, the whole year. And that's... You're freelance at this point. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the culture of the New Yorker. You just, there's tons of rejection. Even when you're in, you're, you're still... It's the culture of, of comedy, stuff. it's the culture of yeah. writing, it's the culture of art for the most yeah. part. Yeah, yeah for, for, for Even for Picasso sure. had yeah. a just, imagine the shit, the pile Early of shitty on, paintings I imagine. he had. And then after that, he could, you know, do anything. Yeah, but, then it's just like, just throw paint like, on it. Yeah, yeah the Jerry Seinfeld. He wasn't even of, trying by the end, trust <laughs> me, I knew. I knew, I could see it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, and they got better every year. In the fourth year of doing it, I got a contract. And that's when it became a real thing. And you could, you know, kind of do it as a living. So that's how I became a cartoonist at the New Yorker magazine. Yeah. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. I don't know if that goes along yeah. with that story. That's the wrong ending. Da da. That's what it is. <laughs> with the jazz hands. <laughs> so, what was the difference then in what was required of you under contract as opposed to being a freelancer. Because, you know, um, I, I've done the equivalent of freelance work. Mm. And a lot of it is like you want to uh, not only give them quality, but prove that you can give them consistent, yeah. you know, mass as that well. That is the thing. You know, yeah, but, a lot of people a lot of people want to be a New Yorker cartoonist and they'll have one or two ideas and that's no use at all. Yeah, to you, have to, you have to be consistent and yeah. be giving them a, a, a lot of stuff. But, of stuff. Uh, but then sometimes then you'll get under contract and it's sort of like, all right, they're able to say, we know you're good. Yeah. Instead of giving us 20 jokes, you know, 15 cartoons a week, give us 10 good yeah. ones. Is that, well, is it's that always been 10. That's always okay. the number, whether you're on contract or whether you're not, uh, as far as I know. Um, so I, I still try to do 10 a week, and, you know, they'll buy one if, if I'm lucky. So 90% rejection is the, the norm. Um, for me, the difference in, the, in having a contract was just feeling a little more settled and a little more confident. Um, like you said, they know they like me, or right. I know they like me. And, and I, I felt like, okay, good. If I do something great, they're going to take it. Um, which isn't always the case because they just don't always have room. But right. um, that was that was that was the main thing, and it just settled me into thinking, okay, this is going to be this is going to be my notch for a while. Right. And uh, in the first four years, I was I was 
hope I hope they like me, you know, and I hope this can first turn four into years something. of the contract. First four years before the contract. Okay. Yeah, right. I got it on the fourth year. Okay. But you know, it, it, you're still sink or swim by your your batch of cartoons that week. You know, you gotta you gotta deliver. Right. So, I mean, it's pressure, but it's also now you're still doing that. Yeah, I'm still doing it. Okay. Um, not as I, I took a lot off for the to do the book. Um, so. Did you actually take time off of yeah, that? Okay. Yeah. And, so, and all the, so all the cartoons in the book are, are mm, original new cartoons? No, 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 no. Most of them are from the New Yorker. But right, just okay. the, all the interstitial material and, and just the putting it all together and deciding what to keep and what to cut and, and just forming and it into chapters. Ones, yeah, there are yeah. lots of new ones. Okay. And most of the – all the longer stuff is, is new. So how who came up with the idea? <laughs> Was it some combination of – you know, obviously – you're not, you obviously can't just say, okay, I'm just, we'll, we'll just be a book full of cartoons. Yeah. Why would we, that's I mean, people what this do is, that. right? People so, do that, yeah. Yeah, but that's silly. Yeah. That, you know, you have to, it, it's there, a dying there has to be form. something, there has to be something else. You have to make some kind of framework, right. make, make something interesting. I mean, it's not like that, you know, you've gone completely overboard with this like elaborate sort of framework, but. There's something there. You know, you, more... yeah, you you recognize that, like, oh, a lot. Of, I have more about. I have a lot of them about politics. I have a lot of them about relationships. We should break them up that yeah. way. Then I can sprinkle in these other jokes. I can sprinkle in the multi-panel things, and then each chapter, let me write a paragraph right. of a, of an intro to that topic. Yeah, that was definitely by design. I mean, it's it's hard to sell cartoon books now. I blame the internet. You know, there's just tons of free cartoons blame out there. The blame the internet. Blame the internet for almost anything. For yeah, almost pretty anything. much everything. Uh, my foot hurts a little. I blame them. I internet. totally. I blame the internet for all the emails I get. Yeah, all of, all them. of them come all, straight from the internet. Any website I'm looking right. at, I blame the. I blame the internet. <laughs> Anytime I've wasted three hours. No, it's you know on Facebook. The internet. Fault. The internet. Almost every time I log onto the internet, I blame the internet. Yeah. It's just and it's safe. It's yeah. safe. I feel okay doing that. So um, I wanted to do – so most cartoon books have to have some sort of theme like that has a built-in audience. So golf cartoons or cat cartoons because people think, oh, all the people that love cats. I didn't see any golf cartoons Even if cartoons they hate cartoons, there. there's not a single Ah, I see. I'm a golfer. But that's the problem. I didn't have enough golf ideas. So I, I'm not a golfer. So um, so I knew I had to do something that had some sort of a theme because I'd done other cartoon books, the, the Rejection Collection books, which are all the New Yorkers' rejected material. And that had its own mm-hmm. hook. And so I knew that was important. You can't just put out a collection of, of cartoons. Um, I mean, you can, but it, the only people that love you will buy that. So I wanted to do sort of a, a, a almost a, a jokey theme. And so instead of defining the audience as people who love cats or people who golf, I wanted to define the audience um, as smart, attractive people. Right. Which yeah. is uh, hopefully a flattering thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, I mean, and also it's tongue-in-cheek. I mean, the New Yorker mechanism. has that attitude. You're just buttering people yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Buttering them up. But it's also, you know, people have this impression that the New Yorker is some sort of elitist, um, only, Right, but it's, you know, and it's just, it's obviously amusing, but it also, like, the the theme goes throughout, so the the chapters are, yeah, the the chapters are, uh, chapter one, for smart, attractive people in the medical profession, Mm -hmm. chapter two, for smart, attractive lumberjacks, Mm -hmm. and and they're not all lumberjack jokes, but a lot of them are actually lumberjack jokes, I mean. (laughs) There's a good eight lumberjack (laughs) jokes in there. Yeah, yeah, I like the idea that, like, one of the chapters, especially, like, one of the early chapters as well, okay, where's lumberjacks go? Lumberjacks has to go in there. I do a lot of lumberjack jokes. They've been deprived of good cartoon content for too long. There's another one in there that cracks me up, just coming up with weird topics, because to me, it's, it's as absurd as a book about cats, really, but like the one for people who use utensils. Oops. Oh, wait, hold on. Um, wait, I'll I'll get this. I like answering yeah. the phone on air. 
<laughs> it's my wife. She always yeah. says, I want to do this. Hi. Hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, yeah, it's all set. Can I call you back? I'm uh, interviewing Matt Diffie right now on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Bye. That's great. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, that, that, that cracked me up, the, the craziness of the chapters for, yeah, sports fans, people who enjoy food. Sexy people, yeah, Indians and Eskimos. Sexy people. Yeah, Indians and Eskimos is a very good one. Um, first smart, attractive people with real jobs, yeah, stuff like yeah. that. It's great. Um, let's uh, take another little break. We'll sure. come back and uh, uh, wrap this up. I have a few more specific questions about the book and about the creative process. We'll be right back with Matt Diffie, author and illustrator of Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. Did I just take a phone call in the middle of my own podcast? Yes. Yes, I did. And it's just that kind of craziness that keeps it so fresh. I wanted to remind you all to keep an eye out for all future Writer's Block goings-on by following us on Twitter, at Writer's Block Pod. Follow me, at J.R. Havlin. And in my ongoing effort to support upcoming talent, let me remind you to follow at Katy Perry. Definitely one to watch. And write to us at writersblockpodcast at gmail.com with questions and comments and observations. But let's keep politics out of it, shall we? Now for the thrilling conclusion of my non-exclusive interview with cartoonist and author Matthew Diffie. Twenty jokes that are definitely going to take your best three. For, for the um... For the show. It's oh no! Yeah, we we have uh, um, we have a certain number of jokes that uh, uh, that you know for that we submit, you know, in the morning and in the evening, yeah. and then you know some of those get picked just based on whatever strikes the head writer as as you know amusing, and um, and then that gets whittled down, and then we read some, and that gets whittled down, and then. Then it goes to rehearsal, and then that gets whittled down, and then it goes to the show. And then on the show, sometimes there's a lot of ad libbing or other stuff goes on on the show that lasts longer. And when oh, yeah. you know, so and sometimes bad. cutting monologue is easier than, easier than cutting other stuff. So a joke will get cut, but a lot of times, if it's a good joke and it worked, it'll even go on the next show. That happened oh, okay. to me this week with a okay, joke that cool. got cut from one show, but then they just redid it on the next show. Yeah. Then it just drop it in. He did it again in front of the different audience, and it and huh. then it ended up going on. So that's. You know, I mean, yeah. All right. That was a little bit of a conversation about working at The Tonight Show. I hope that you absorbed it, took it in, (laughs) and are considering it for when you uh, uh, try to get your job there. And good luck to you with that. Um, We're going to talk about the book. I'm going to ask the questions that I wrote in the back. Hmm. How about that? So that we can get to these, because they were probably good. You know, I mean, I was definitely thinking about them at the time. Uh, Although I may have already asked you some of them. And uh, um, this is going to be relatively unprofessional, but who tunes into Writer's Block podcast for nothing? Well, we should, but yeah, we should talk experience. shop. I mean, I love this podcast, and I love it because comedians and comedy, oh, comedy writers particularly, are talking about what they do. Talking about what they do. Yeah. Sometimes doing it right there on the spot. Doing it on the yeah, spot. I love it. Uh, single frame, but also multi-panel. How are they? Oh, so this yeah, is what I, what I had addressed in the first place. Uh, um uh, how are they different in the in the process? But also, are you frequently tempted to expand a single panel cartoon into multi, and, yeah. then, and then the and then the other way around? Well, what you can't do with a, with a single panel is do like little tags and little you know lead up jokes. It has and to be just build a rhythm. one yeah. line joke. Yeah, and that's that's great when it works, but it, it, it is limiting. It's nice to be able to. So when I when I do 
when I perform now, I don't do stand-up necessarily, but I'll do a cartoon. But it's nice to be able to do a couple jokes in the setup, show the cartoon, and then a couple little tags on the end. Right. Um, and you can do that. Which in is a, kind in of a, what you were doing at the uh, Jalopy. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, a little bit. Sort of like a performance cartooning right. experience. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, it, it's nice you to be able to stretch out You should have the word experience, experience in the title of the show, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a... a like the Jimi Hendrix experience. <laughs> it's more yeah, than just a... Disney, a, a Disney yeah. theme show that you go to. <laughs> That's right. The cartoon experience. There's like a water splash at the end. The Matt Diffie experience. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's, it works. So the, yeah, well, it's going to, it's, it's, uh, it's a completely different style of writing and thinking, yeah, isn't yeah. it? I mean, and you can do more list kind of things, which are always great for comedy. You know, when six you, right. things, bam, bam, bam. Whereas I suppose you could do that in a single panel if they're in yeah, the panel itself. that's true. Some people you know? do actually do that format. You know, and then the, 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 the caption of the cartoon would be, you know. The overarching yeah, heading or whatever. So-and-so's yeah. bucket list yeah. or something. And you know, bang, and bang, bang, bang. Yeah. I should do more of that. I don't really think that way usually for The New Yorker. But they have expanded recently. They're doing more vertical. They used to do them back, you know, in the 20s or whatever. Um, but they've gotten really, for the last 10 years, they, they haven't let us where do. Where they'll do like a multi Yeah, like a vertical thing where you can do like you know just like that so and so's bucket list and do yeah. six down the down the vertical oh. strip yeah as, um, as well they should why not should, it's an yeah. entertaining part of a, yeah. a of a pretty dense uh yeah. you know interesting but dense magazine yeah it's that. nice when you can break up the shapes like that visually on the page i right. would think but yeah they just started doing it like maybe in the last couple of years are you frequently influenced by the work that that it's you then see? Now? That yeah, yeah, that's I great. Mean, you look through it you see them all and you're like oh yeah, yeah i yeah. can see why they didn't use that one that i sent yeah and or vice versa. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> More there's, there's also a lot of like I don't understand why even remotely why yeah. they didn't use the one that I said. Yeah, yeah. This doesn't oh, make it's, it's probably more of that. Way more of that. I um, you know, I don't know. I like I get I I that's a blessing and a curse for guys like you and I who have a you know, who who work creatively. Mm-hmm. You do what you can with something, but when you see somebody who does something that you know, yeah. I, I frequently see jokes hear, read pitches at the show where my response is, and this is the best possible response I can give to another writer is, ooh, boy, I wish I came up with that. Yeah, exactly. You know? Oh, yeah, there's and tons ha- of that. And it happens a lot, and it's sort yeah. of like, but I usually, it, I don't usually respond that way unless I feel like I could have come up with yeah, that. Yeah, like, you were I, close I, to yeah, it. Yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. I was heading down yeah, that yeah. path, and, and I didn't get off. it. And you yeah. did, and I'm not mad at you. Yeah, yeah. There's respect, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, you know, that really comes up in the New Yorker in these sort of timeless themes that we do. Like whenever somebody does a good desert Island gag that you hadn't thought of, Uh it's always kind of like, ah, there, that's nice. And then it opens up new opportunities. Like somebody, like some, once somebody puts a, 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 a smartphone on a, on a desert Island situation, then there's all these new, you know, desert Island gags we can go for. To me, that's do fun, they, and there's like a it, playful. Do they operate that way? Do they do they say like uh, um like for instance at the at the Tonight Show, the monologue side at least gets uh, premises like mm-hmm. written by an assistant, yeah. and then and so we're all and they like us to stick to those just so that we're working on you know they, the they they're things. pretty specific about it. So you'll see what other people do with the same thing. Yeah, and we're asked to write about certain things and not go off on something else. So you have to like you have to deal with that premise that's in yeah. front of you. New York does are not you, do that. No, no, so you're just submitting things that are on just your own. Just so, completely random. So Which is great is, and also horrifying, too, because you can go anywhere and you can get sidetracked really easily when you're trying to work on a joke right. about a penguin. Right. And then suddenly you think of, you know, a, a, a dog and then you're it's hard to stay focused sometimes. But the only sense of that is that those 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 classic 
because I it, for me it, it was certainly like a rite of passion to do a desert island gag and a grim reaper gag and so caveman you know psychiatrist There's a good grim reaper one in here I can't remember what it was but uh, uh, do you remember it? Uh, I don't know if I can find it quickly enough. Yeah, I don't know. There maybe. Oh, I think. Uh, um, oh, he's he's he's. It's an old woman. Grim Reaper's taking away oh, her yeah. husband, and he's holding, and she's she's putting money in his tip jar. Yeah, he's yeah, holding yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's nice when you can do a cartoon that doesn't have any caption, any words, and it's still funny. That's, right. That's right. like the holy grail of cartooning. Oh yeah, yeah. Single panel cartooning, at least. Um, yeah, uh, I wish I could get assignments sometime. It'd be really nice. But you know, then again, if you were getting assignments and they sent you like, uh, you know, give us a Desert Island one, wouldn't you be like, oh, shit, I, yeah. what am I going to do with Desert Island? But then sometimes, you but know. But you could stay focused on it. You could be like, I'm going to go yeah, through, you can every, come up I'm going to make a list you, of every possible. With, when you yeah. come up with the good Desert Island one, you're yeah. like, oh, man. like, Bam. Or you see somebody else has come up with it and you have to say like, you know, I thought that that was dried up. Yeah, it was gone. But no, there it is. But assignments would be nice sometimes. I, my, my process is just sit down and literally kind of dream up stuff and give myself own, my own assignments in a right, way. Right, but it becomes just the way that you think in life yeah. and you're watching somebody order something at a diner and you're like, boom. Mm. You yeah. know, I wish I did more of that. For me, it's usually just sitting down with paper. Oh, and really? You don't kind of uh, you don't take notes? As well, you I always have sometimes? like a notebook or a, something to write on, and occasionally get things. But most of it's just the old fashioned, you know, brainstorming. Right. Here comes the this one. I, I don't know if we've direct addressed this directly. What comes first, the drawing or mm. the joke? I would imagine there's a mix of that. But yeah. is there one that you kind for of for me? It, to... it does vary with different cartoons. Some people will will kind of just sit down and doodle, and they'll like, oh, that's a funny looking guy. What if I change his hat? And what if I do this? Um, I don't work that way very much at all. I just end up getting distracted by drawing if I do that. I I start with words specifically and concepts, you know. And as I'm as I'm going through the words, I'm picturing things for sure. So I'll just start, you know, literally with whatever the first thing, like we t- I said penguin a minute ago. So I would write penguin down and I'd start, you know, writing some some notes about penguins, you know, tuxedos, they're wearing black they and white like tuxedos, tuxedos, exactly. Yeah, that's, Formal occasion. That, that, that's been done. Classic. But, Has it? Yeah, oh yeah. Has yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, what's the, there's what? a classic one. <laughs> anyway, but Wait, yeah. somebody noticed the tuxedo? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, afraid so. But then uh, you could go, you could go a thousand ways. March of the Penguins, you could go, yeah. you know, what their feet look like because nobody really sees them. And they the, tap the, the, dance. They, I know tap, they tap dance, dance exactly. That's a scientific fact. And the <laughs> the they they the male sometimes like sits on the egg. I learned that from that. They March always of the Penguins. sit on the egg. Okay, the, yeah. the males, yeah, the males. Always and so from there, but there I could also go into an Eskimo joke or a narwhal, 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 narwhal. <laughs> a narwhal. God, let's talk or an about an icebreaker ship or what anything. What is that all yeah. about? For, I I was never like so I have two kids and I'm starting you know so you get the, all the children's books all the all the al- anything alphabet based they mm. get the N and it's narwhal <laughs> and I just you know, I ran into it once I'm like whatever blah, you know yeah. let's just get on to M I gotta keep moving here or I, I'm on oh, a schedule yeah, kid I go backwards <laughs> so then I just keep running into it and I'm like what well, I you know, I'm sorry that I'd never heard of a narwhal. I don't yeah. know what the hell it's this thing unicorn. is. It's a unicorn. It's a unicorn. It's the unicorn of the sea. Yeah. It's the it's unicorn amazing. of the sea. Yeah. But it it's tastes It's like a different. manatee with a unicorn. It tastes yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. It's a little... Unicorn's a little grisly. It's a game. It's gamier. <laughs> it's gamier than the unicorn. Uh, but but the, that's the beauty of being a cartoonist. I literally can go anywhere. And But the problem is, like, if I've gone off on Narwhal, I, I've forgotten to come up with a joke for Penguin. And sometimes that's a problem. Not a problem, but yeah, I should. I know Gay and Wilson. And now, you, now, yeah. you, now you have two jokes. Gay and Wilson makes it a policy when he works. He will not leave a topic until he's got a joke from it, which I admire that discipline. But Well, here's I the like. other question. Part of that question was um, 
you come up with the joke first, then you draw something yeah. to support that joke. But yeah. um, how frequently, uh, if ever, and I would imagine it sometimes, does the drawing yeah. then either uh, cause you to alter the joke or um, inspire a separate joke entirely? Yeah, it does do that. That's very astute of you to say as mm. a non... Do you draw? Maybe you do no, draw. No, I don't at all. Oh. I'm because, just terrible at it. Really? Oh, yeah. It's weird. It, like it, Comedy writers seem to all be doodlers and drawers. Yeah. Certainly at The Daily Show, I know they've just... They were all constantly doing it. I, yeah. I can barely draw a a recognizable stick figure. Huh. Well, that's probably because that's when you last really were seriously drawing. Yeah, that's right. the theory. You, that's when you stop. That's where I so stopped. That's where yeah. I knew I, I I knew I couldn't do better. Yeah. Well, I maybe it, I, I don't know. I have then. a feeling that everyone can draw fairly well. So the so the influence. Anyway, but yeah, you, sometimes you'll write a line and you'll be like, okay, that's clearly uh, two executives talking at a bar. So you draw it, and then the one executive you're drawing who's talking turns out to be a, his facial expression just because of the flick of your pencil. In my case, or pen, you know, he's a little more angry than the line, and so that will tweak the line just slightly so that he'll. You know, he might put, you know, blah, 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 buster or some, some sort of right. <laughs> slightly more aggressive He's, Yeah, just word the look on his face. Yeah, or, and that'll come up. Or, or, you know, as you're deciding, you know, because you have to decide everything. You have to decide what costumes these characters are wearing. And, Suddenly he's you know, got a pocket square and you yeah, think and you're that like, changes oh, the joke. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes it does. And, uh, and which you'll is be drawing a face and it's like, well, oh, I did not mean for this guy to look scared, but he yeah, looks yeah. scared. Yeah, exactly. So I can either change that because scared doesn't work, fix, for the joke, fix this yeah. joke. But now that I see he's scared... I'll either just change the it, it tone works. of what the other guy's doing yeah. or change the joke. Yeah. yeah, why not, right? Or you have to redraw the guy, which, you know, I do It's called the creative process, Matt. It's a process. And that's what we're here talking about. Yeah. yeah. But I think the joke, the joke writing thing is very similar probably to what you do on TV because TV is a visual medium. It's like when you're writing a joke, you can also, you, can, you could turn it into a, 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 a bit with a visual. Like if you show a picture of the, the news item or whatever, it suddenly takes on a new opportunity. That's yeah. what's great about the, the being a cartoonist, or I think for TV too, you can do a lot of the setup just with the visual. Or the punchline. You can do all the punchline with just the visual. If the setup, if the line, it can be a straight line, basically, and then there's something wacky in the, right, in right. the visual. Yeah. It's a nice, you know, cause as opposed to a stand-up joke where you have to you have to say the setup and then you have to say the punchline. Here I can draw the well, setup. Well, but there's also, you know, yeah. a lot of people are better at acting stuff out as yeah. well. You yeah. know, so, um, you know, like I can't act like a T-Rex, but I know a lot of guys who can. And when they do, the <laughs> and crowds they kill go with fucking it. wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. T-Rex is yeah, what It's very hard for a T-Rex to reach things off of a shelf, for instance. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, they need help. Yeah. That's where the brontosaurus comes or, in. Or to wipe. Yeah. I yeah. Imagine. Oh, yeah. That's just, I mean, forget about <laughs> it. They need an assistant, is yeah, what I'm saying. Too. We're going to wrap it up. Great to see you. Yeah, likewise. It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a long time. Cool and uh, um, I uh, wish you great success with uh, the book. It's Hand-Drawn Jokes for Smart, Attractive People. Uh, Matt Diffie, definitely go out and pick it up. It's a great book to go through. A lot of great jokes in there. Fun. It makes a great gift. That well, sounds like a cliche, <laughs> but this makes a great gift. For smart, attractive yeah. people. <laughs> for only for smart, attractive people. Yeah. So definitely pick that up. Welcome back. Blockheads, thanks for sticking around and uh, hoping that I would come out with another episode. Uh, I'll try to crank out more in the future. I really appreciate you listening. I hope you get something out of it. Uh, Matt, play us out on that banjo, buddy. <laughs> come on, he's sitting there. Uh, uh, well How's done, that? sir. All right, say goodnight, Matt. Good night, Matt. There you have it. Episode 48 is in the bag. Go to Matt's website, buy his book, buy his other book, maybe buy me something nice while you're online. Totally up to you. 
Great news here. Believe it or not, Writer's Block will be back in just a couple of weeks with another brand new episode featuring Sarah Papalardo, co-founder of the consistently hilarious website Reductress, the first and only satirical women's magazine. It's fantastic. Check it out, reductress.com. Until then, say goodnight, blockheads. Blockheads.